Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! With a friend. And found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas and welcome to Urban Health Weekly where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How are you guys? Hey, we're good over here. Well, good. So uh, we were just talking about uh, this this doctor on Twitter, um, is Glaucom Flecken is his yeah, name. Something he's like got that. like half a million, he's got half a million followers. And he, he, he's, he's like, he does comedy, like doctor comedy. Mm-hmm. And okay. a, a lot of the stuff he covers is like, you know how the journals, the like mm-hmm. JAMA and the Lancet and all of them, they actually charge doctors to publish their work and then they have no rights so they have to write. What? I didn't know they charged doctors oh, yeah. to publish their work. It's, it's big yeah. business. It's big money. To, wait, to publish? Yes. So you as a doctor, you write the study or you and a team of doctors writes the study because writing studies is part of your job. Okay. Then you, in order to get into the prestigious journals, you have to pay the journal for your submission. So if they said, so if they- What? I didn't know that. It's the rack, it's the biggest racket. So in any event, so he makes, yeah. So then they, so not only do you have to pay, after you pay, they now own your stuff and you can't use it commercially or for anything. So you can't use it for lectures. You can't use it for like, if you want to just use it for public interest, like you don't own it anymore. So you've paid- Wait, wait, wait. If you got to make a lecture, 
you can't reference your own you stuff. You cannot reference it. Well, you have to pay them if you oh, want. Oh, they get like a fee, like a royalty? Yes. 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 <laughs> On your own. Oh, work. my God. So I guess the only reason to publish would be to advance science and for prestige. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's for, well, you're doing it. You're, <coughs> well, you're paying that, that because they're saying it's kind of like the Playboy model where they say, well, we're not going to pay you because being in Playboy is going to raise your profile. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's that same model, except you're yes. paying them. So I don't know if you- What a racket. Should, oh my God, it is so gangster, I can't even. So this guy, Glaukenflecken, he mm. makes these little skits with himself where he plays all the characters and basically okay. makes fun of that whole model and kind of like, you know, kind of, Mm-hmm. turning it on its head and like making people like think well wait a minute yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're right doc wire came across this guy right and right and yeah referred him over to us he is funny anyway i, I don't know if I'm <laughs> his name wrong dr glaucom yeah. we, will, we will include a link yeah to, uh, we'll include a link to his, his twitter uh, I, I you know it's not really disparities but i guess it's kind of the disparity because if you don't have the thousands of dollars to pay well, one of the big. It, I think it, it is a disparity because if you don't have. Well, I'm getting. Well, that's what I'm getting ready yeah. to say. I'm getting ready to say. You're, yeah, you're right. You can go ahead and say it. Well, I think it's a it's a it's a monetary disparity that if you don't have the thousands of dollars to pay to have your work published, or you have, or don't have a major institution backing you, uh, your research and your thoughts just don't count. They will not be seen in the academic and, and that's and that's a lot of the reason why disparities which have been around a long time are only now coming to the the forefront because there's just mm-hmm. never been any money behind it to to um to pay these institutions right. to even put them in the magazine so, so wait all- how how did they come up with the money to publish before how were the the researchers well, really, was that part know, of their grants so really the only ones, if you had a big institution backing you. Ah, uh, the institution the paid the institution, fee? Right, exactly. The institution pays the fee because they are the ones, you, you, you're doing the, you're doing the, re- it's all this prestige thing. So you're doing yes. research, you know, um, under their institution's heading. And so they pay that fee for you. And so mm-hmm. that means that only the big institutions who can afford to pay those fees get their works published. And so, and if you want to like be somebody who's a great researcher, you really need to be hooked up with an institution. You right. with so, an institution, exactly. Right. If you're a small okay. Institution, or you're a city-run institution, and you want to write about things that mm. are not um, of interest to the big institution. Mm. Guess what? You're not getting published. Yeah. Are you going to get published by some like obscure journal? Right. Okay. You know, wow. And I'm going to include a story that, that actually <laughs> about, uh, you know, more than three decades ago, I had the privilege to work with a, um, an editor-in-chief uh, that um, was a Nobel Prize winner, and it was for a major mm. journal. I'm not going to name the journal or name the, that editor, um, even though he's, been, he's deceased now for a while. And uh, we would get the submissions, this is before electronic submissions, we would get a, a big box full of submissions every day. Wow. And I asked them, well, who goes through all of this? He goes, oh, I do. And I go, how do you mean all of this? This comes in every day. And he goes, oh, watch me. 
So he would sit and just sort. Wow. He would sort the envelopes and put make one big pile and make a small pile. And I was there, and I would ask him, well, "What you do?" He goes, "Oh, I look at the return address. If it's not <laughs> an institution or an institution that can do top-notch research, I automatically reject you." And the ninety-five percent of the stuff would go in box A. And his assistant would would have like a, a custom rejection letter. We we looked at your work, however, we're rejecting you. He'd only read the percentage that was from the big institution. You see? Oh wow! I was there. I saw it, and you know, it it's keeps the, the it keeps the ivory tower very ivory. Yes. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like a case of like watch me read this. Like I'm going to demonstrate my speed reading skills. It wasn't that. It was like now, you know, academic publishing has come a long way. They, you know, some of the more scrupulous publishers now have blind submissions, now have it, it's all electronic, so they keep track and make sure that there isn't a lot of prejudice. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you that even that has its flaws. I was gonna ask, they, they, they can't possibly a, be really blind, yeah, right? Not all of it, not all of it is as blind as you would think, because there's always, hey, I just submitted my paper, send it to me. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. Okay, sure. But but back in the day, it was all, you know, it was all at the whim, and, and people would just look at your institution, and you know, your top-notch journals would just not, not consider you. Yeah, that's wow. Awesome. So anyway, he kind of pokes his finger in the eye of that whole thing. And, and, and people are starting to like catch on like, yeah, this is kind of, <laughs> this is raw. So just interesting. I would love to interview this guy because I, I, I like his, uh, I like his perspective. This is really funny. Anyway, mm -hmm. I'm going to add his, his Twitter handle to the, to uh, Urban Health Weekly when we put this up. So All let's right. do it. New study links gut bacteria to cognitive function. Scientists are discovering that many ways in which the microorganisms living in the human gastrointestinal tract can influence health. These organisms, collectively called the microbiome, are incredibly diverse, and there has been an explosion of research studies investigating this fascinating link over the past few years. Researchers from the United States have recently analyzed data from a large cross-sectional study and found a link between gut microbial composition and cognition status in middle-aged adults. The participants were recruited from four centers across the U.S. as part of the CARDIA, which is Coronary Artery Risk Development in Young Adults Study. Scientists believe that short-chain fatty acids, those are the ones like you find in fermented foods like yogurt and sauerkraut, play ah. a part in regulating how the gut and brain interact, that is, the gut-brain axis. In animal studies, short-chain fatty acids appear to be protective against vascular dementia and cognitive impairment. Mm. Scientists are also starting to come around to inflammation being responsible for Alzheimer's and dementia, like you're seeing a lot more of that. And this, mm -hmm. this gives new meaning to the term food for thought, in my opinion. I just really hope that if they don't think that their body is affected by the food that they eat, they should really think about their mind. It's still one of the areas of the body that modern science has not come up with solutions for because there's just so much about the brain we don't know. But I'll tell you this, you know, maybe you've decided that your body breaking down is part of being old, or are you also willing to give up your mind in the process? Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thoughts? What's considered middle age, by the way? Middle age is considered like what your 40s, your 50s. I would call it 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you then? I'm young, man. You're young. <laughs> uh, he's just a baby. Right, I'll be a middle age in 20 years. He's still wet behind the ears. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like, what do you guys think of this? Well, um, they've been, certainly been saying that a long time about the microbiome. So uh, this is just yet another, another. Yeah, it's just one more thing. And that's a really good point, by the way, where you say, you know, if you don't mind your body falling apart. No, worry about so your brain it's, it's all connected part of aging that's what's part. well maybe maybe not you know we were just talking last week about you know women who are having sex for stalling menopause right so is it about right. aging or is it about how we treat our bodies you know so just 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 putting it out there yes out. I, I mean look would you would you put cheap oil into your sports car would you put you that's know, interesting would, that's right never know, you, never you wouldn't even think of it or well, some or, people, some people buy the cheap oil. I really doubt it, you know, but, but most people would say, no way, you know. If you had to choose, if you're, if you don't have a lot of money mm -hmm. and you had to choose between premium, which is like, mm -hmm. I think it's like, now it's like $5 mm -hmm. and um, the, the, the cheap stuff, which is like, what, 350 or what is it? 350, something like that. Yeah. Okay. You're going to go with the 350, whether it's messing up well, your car, well, that's gas especially if you have a lease because you don't own the vehicle and you're like, screw it. It's okay. gonna you know what? I'm not so sure about this sports Five vehicle thing because I'm like, I don't have a sports vehicle, so I'm just going to put the cheap oil in. But maybe that's part of it. Like you have to treat your body like a, a like a gorgeous sports vehicle, even if you don't feel like it's a gorgeous that's sports right. vehicle. You've got to value your body. Your body. Yeah that's going to last you for 90, 80, 90 years, hopefully. Jack LaLanne said that that the human body is designed to live yeah. to 100 plus years old. But. Exactly. I mean, would you would you clean the Mona Lisa with pledge? I mean, you know, and, and apologies to pledge, but you know. Also, have you noticed that all those really athletic types who really watch their diet, they really are sharper in the long run. You just see that. They're more dynamic. They're more alive. Like, have you guys noticed that with public figures in general? It seems because like they have access to information that the masses do not. Mm -hmm. And that's because they they are in a position financially and mm -hmm. socially where that information is available to them. And I want people to take this information that mm -hmm. we're giving them and use it. Use it like you're a rich person and take care of yourself. Yeah. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. Yeah, I, but I mean, you're right. Yes. Yeah, I, I think you know if you're going to splurge on yourself, uh, splurging on your diet is, is absolutely a, is a primary thing. And a lot of people, you know, they don't view it that way because, quite frankly, when you buy food, it's not a durable thing. It's going to be gone in a week. Where if you buy right. a timing or you buy a bracelet, or you buy you a buy, handbag, you know, or TV or something, or yeah. a handbag again. That's it. right. For all the women out there. It's gonna last me for, for years and that's for a right. long time. But food, it's it's only there for a week or only there for a day. But and also we talked about that that cheap food is often the most addictive food, too. Yes. Because it has like the most chemicals, the most additives, the most um mm -hmm. low excitotoxins. Yes. 
the most low-grade ingredients so that they can maximize profit and decrease spending. It's a shame, you know? <sighs> so let's move on. I know you guys don't want to discuss COVID anymore. <laughs> you know, it's relevant. We have to. It's important. Oh, I, I, I think it's important, you know, given that the story we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Remember I mentioned the clinic turning pregnant women away from their vaccines? <gasps> COVID yes. infection can attack placenta, triggering stillbirth. It's pregnant so women sad. who are vaccinated against COVID-19 are at greater risk for delivering stillborn babies, and new research provides important clues about why. Unlike other fungal, bacterial, or viral infections, which cross over the placenta to affect the fetus, SARS-CoV-2 is particularly lethal to the developing placenta, and this oh. damage deprives the fetus of oxygen and nutrition, said study author Dr. David Schwartz, a perinatal pathologist in Atlanta. In November, the CDC reported that pregnant women with COVID are at increased risk for stillbirth, which is the loss of a baby before or during delivery. Schwartz said the risk remains rare. To better understand why risk of stillbirth may be increased in expectant women with COVID, Schwartz and his team analyzed placentas from 64 stillbirths and four cases in which babies soon died right after birth. Ugh. All of the pregnant women were unvaccinated. Infected placentas showed increased levels of fibrin, a protein involved with blood clotting, and obstructed blood and oxygen flow to the placenta. All 68 of the placentas also had death of cells that comprised the major protective barrier between mother and fetus, and 66 of them had a buildup of inflammatory cells. By the way, placenta is chock full of, um, help me guys, come on. I'm Not sorry. the ACE2, the opposite. Yes. Is it the ACE2? ACE2? Yes. yes, the ACE2. Oh. Placenta is chock full of ACE2 receptors. Oh. I mean, this story is so, this is so sad. It is sad. God. And I want this to be a wake up call for all these women that are on the fence. I know everyone's sick of talking about COVID. I kind of am too. No, right. But we just have fatigue, but it doesn't mean it shouldn't be addressed. We have to, That's we have thing. to people face are, it. People yeah. are still dying. Doctors are still burned yeah. out. Hospitals yeah. are still filling up with people, whether we talk about it or not, whether the- Right, we have to show it. up for them. Yeah. yeah. You know, and these are preventable deaths. That's what makes this so remarkable right now. Like we have all kinds of means. We have prophylaxis, we've got vaccines, we've got treatments and people are still dying because they won't avail themselves. Listen, women, you have to think about your baby. I'll tell you this, before I was pregnant, I was an anti-flu vaccine person because I was healthy and I figured that I'd just get it naturally. Right. But then I got pregnant and you know what? I realized it's not about me anymore. And I started getting vaccinated. And you know what? I haven't had the flu since eight years. I have not had a flu. I used to get wow. every year, but I was healthy. I was young. I was like, my body's gone. It's going to be fine. I'll get my immunity that way. But you know what? I have not had one bout of flu in eight years. Every year I have been healthy that I've had the flu, the, the flu vaccine. So just keep that in mind. What are you willing to do to keep your baby safe inside you and bring Right, and I think that's what people want to know. They want, especially pregnant moms want to make sure that the that getting the vaccine is safe for their baby yeah. while they're pregnant. So that's what they're that. saying is that. But women have to understand that we pass our immunity on to our children. Right. 
So it's not, you're not doing something that's going to be harmful to the business. It's not like Zika virus where you have to, right. about, you know, the baby's head shrinking or something like that. This is you inoculating yourself and passing that immunity onto your baby when you give birth to your baby. And what a loving gift to bring your baby into the world, not having to worry about losing your baby at the last second or your placenta degrading and your baby dying inside of you. I know it's macabre, you know, and people don't like to think about that image. But it's important, important. Yeah, you need to think about it because that's the risk you run. It is rare, but it could happen. Wait, I have a quick question. So really what they're saying is that because it affects the placenta, Mm -hmm. that's blocking yeah, and interfering the with all nutrition is is how mommy feeds baby inside. It's not like so. They're the, not saying that the COVID nineteen. They do, they're not saying that in this case the nineteen crossed the barrier. Right. They did find some babies that had um, COVID um, COVID crossed. They did have, but that's not what killed them. What killed them was basically the placenta. The destruction of the placenta. Right, which is where they get their oxygen and they get their food from. Okay. That's differing from Zika, which crossed the barrier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So oh. I know it's a horrible thing to think about it, but I need you to think about it. Yes. So should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Okay. All right. So we'll take a break and we'll come right back. Listen, we have to talk about the fact that most Americans still don't know that alcohol is the cause of cancer. That's pretty scary. Most American adults remain unaware that alcohol is the cause of tens of thousands of cancer cases in the U.S. every year. A new study shows that those who are unaware of the risk are far more likely to support warning labels and other policies that could highlight the link. This latest study supports previous research from the American Institute of Cancer Research, or AICR, and emphasizes the critical need to increase awareness of the alcohol cancer link. Alcohol is the strongest modifiable risk factor for cancer after tobacco use and excess body weight. AICR's research shows that alcohol increases the risk of at least six cancers, including colorectal, breast, esophageal, liver, stomach, and oral cancers. According to the study, less than a third of adults are aware that alcohol increases risk. Researchers use data from a nationally representative survey of close to 3,900 U.S. adults who were surveyed by mail. When asked about specific alcoholic beverages, only 20% of respondents were aware that wine increases cancer risk. 25% said that beer does, and 31% associated cancer risk with liquor consumption. Research shows that any type of alcohol intake increases cancer risk, whether it is from wine, beer, or liquor. You know, I've talked about this before, and and we're in for the battle of our lives. I'll be very honest with you here, because just like in the 50s and 60s, remember when everyone was smoking everywhere? When people were smoking, and they were, it was healthy for you. Yes, exactly. What, what, Bertie, what was that king? There was a whole movie where his doctors told him that smoking was good for his stuttering, and it, it ended up what take, took his life. Um, king Albert, I think it was. 
Wow. No kidding. Oh, the King's speech. Yes. The King's speech. Thank you. Wow. Until one day we learned that guess what? It's actually killing us. But you know, everywhere we turn on TV, day or night, everyone is making a drink. Especially they love to do the red wine business. It's full of polypropyl. It's full of all kinds of like great nutrition. The red wine, they're always promoting red wine. Oh, you know, oh, and mommy's going to have a little, it's, it's glorified, man. It's like health drinks, like for example, are like a punchline to make fun of a type of person. Like, you know, mm. the, the Valley girl and she's drinking her green juice and she's like a joke and but I think that alcohol is so insidious. Everyone is drinking, even teens. And it's like, it's infuriating to see the glorification of alcohol. Like, how do we get away from it? What can we do? You know what I mean? Do you think, uh, do you think an alcohol, alcohol is associated with being like a grown-up to like sophistication? Do you think that was part of it? Like that whole Mad Men thing? The people of that, that era? Days of Dynasty. Remember in Dynasty... And shows like that, and then Mad. Oh yeah, they always fixed a, a drink. Always yeah. have a cocktail, and you know, at, mm. on the soap operas, you see, you know, they have their little bar, and they've got their little tumblers, and they pour themselves a drink, and mm-hmm. you it know, means you've arrived in the world of adults, yeah, sort of. You know, and now it's like it's everywhere. Like even mm. on one of like one of my favorite shows, Insecure, it's like cocktail time, girl. You know, and what happened is the alcohol industry has has basically made drinks so tasty. It used to be that women didn't drink all that much. Oh, yeah, because remember, it used to be like like brown drinks. They were really like thick, like amber drinks, you know, that were like thick whiskey. It put like hair on your chest. Yeah, exactly. Like they would drink it and they would go, ah. It was manly and it was like, you know, like it was West, manly in the, in the Western movies and they would wipe their sleeve across their. Yeah, their nobody mouth. pretended that it tasted good. Like yeah, exactly. But it was about being a man. And right. then the alcohol industry was like, hey, we've mm-hmm. got to get women involved in this. And they started making all these liqueurs, all these sweet tasting drinks. Girl drinks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and now we have. You know, it's just become like a national pastime where mm-hmm. everyone's falling down drunk and it's funny and it's cute and it's like shows dedicated to it. Yeah, it adds to like a plot twist. Like it's an easy like plot twist for a show. Can I tell you, I looked up online, I think it was a couple of years because I just couldn't understand like what everywhere I turned, it was like alcohol. And I was like, does no one else notice this? Like the, full mm-hmm. disclosure, I'm a teetotaler. I think mm-hmm. alcohol tastes disgusting. I don't don't drink it. I don't care how sweet you make it. There's nothing in the world that is going to make me put that thing in my mouth. It's just Mm. yucky. Wait, are you telling me that like you never, like you wouldn't be into drinking like once a year, have a glass of wine or have like a a sweet beverage? I love a Okay, But you know not to do it because you're not. But it's not something that that I like seek out. Like I don't need. Yeah, me too. I don't need like on vacation. Yeah, I'll enjoy some mojitos and stuff like that because okay. I'm just sitting by the pool or I'm sitting on the beach on the chair just mm-hmm. hanging out. But I mean, I'm not knocking them back. I'm also right. having water, but I do enjoy uh, or I'll, it's I'll, not a goal. It's go not. Out. A goal. It's not part of like you know how some people they smoke and it's like oh I, they wake up and they smoke and they're yes. stressed <laughs> and they smoke and they just had a mm-hmm. meal and they have to smoke to relax. Some people drink like that. Like oh. I had a tough day. I need to drink. Oh, well, let's celebrate. Let's have drinks. It's right. 
it's just built into the culture so much that everything revolves around drinking. Oh, I'm socializing with my girls. I've got to have cocktails with my girls. Even Sex in the City glorified that. Oh my gosh, they sure do. Have you ever seen one where they aren't like, that's like essential to the plot. That's what I'm saying. So I decided to look it up because I was curious, why is drinking everywhere on TV? It's viewed as glamorous, isn't it? Well, what they said was it gives the actors something to do with their hands. Oh, because it used to be smoking. Remember, like they would yeah. always like have a cigarette. They did something yeah. with their hands. Yeah. Oh, it's a visual. It's something to do with their hands. Exactly. So it's not. But, you know, you don't see that on Broadway. You don't see Broadway shows. <laughs> they're they're <acting. laughs> You don't see them pulling out the card on Broadway and like, yeah, you know, you know, they break out in song and dance right. instead. Hey, you don't I see mean, it on, on operas. I it, mean. In the movies, the person seems like they are like, you know, like we're all in the same room. The person is is right right there. I mean, this all starts with, you know, Humphrey Bogart and John Wayne. John Wayne was always drinking like whiskey, like it was water. And, and Bogart was always drinking, you know, drinking uh-huh. maybe unfazed. And then, you know, if you move to present day, John Hamm, even though it's said in the past. Right. Because current norms are those people are drunk and ostracized and non-functional, blah, blah, blah. Not really. But, but <laughs> John Hamm became a sex symbol. But he was playing a character in the 60s and 70s. But he still became a sex symbol. Listen, it's amazing what, what makes people a sex symbol. Mm-hmm. That guy on that show that I watched, you... You know, on mm-hmm. Netflix, you, the guy who's like a killer. Oh, and then he got he, a lot of followers. Oh, my God. Women are obsessed with him. And I oh, guess, no. Yeah. You know what show I'm talking about? The guy who, who falls for these women, he becomes obsessed with them. He wins them over. And then any oh. guy who's like a suitor or gets in his way, he just like slaughters the guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a really good show because this guy's like super smart. And he's he's actually like a decent guy because he doesn't kill innocent people so he has a code oh, so he has scruples <laughs> he has scruples. like he won't murder innocent people but if his ethics are, aren't sketchy if you're if you're if you're a douchebag he'll murder you kind of so it's kind of dexterish i guess in a way but uh, it sounds like dexter yeah yeah so so many women are like obsessed with him and he i think at one point he had said on twitter you do know that my character is a murderer, right? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Thank you for bringing that up and pointing that out. Ben Bagley, that's his, I think that is his name, Ken Bagley. I think something like that. I might be wrong. I'll have to look it up. But in any event, um, you know, modern medicine just kind of papers over the issue with treatments and surgeries. So like all these young people are developing all these cancers now and no one's saying to them, Look, you've got to stop your alcohol consumption. I have to tell you, I forgot that alcohol causes cancer. I just forgot all about that. I but mean, you at least besides a thing like I you kind of forgot. Knew. I was preoccupied with know. like, okay, alcohol causes cardiovascular because of the diabetes, because of the but I forgot all about the feature that that I'm really glad you brought that up. That like had been erased from my mind. It's I forgot last four or five years, I think, maybe four years that ASCO finally came out because they kind of mm. tiptoed into it. Offer deadline on Oak Street, aisle three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, 
Yep. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. And they finally came out full-throated. ASCO is the American Society for Cancer and Oncology. Finally full-throated came out and said, all alcohol is carcinogenic. All alcohol. But it took them years to get there. and like. Finally- also, hasn't there been an increase in people drinking at home with the pandemic? Oh my gosh, yes. And now- Oh, so this are- is super timely. And now wow. they're actually thinking about, I don't know if they've approved it yet. Have Do you know if it's been approved yet where they want to carry out alcohol? It used to be you could not have alcohol on it's, the streets. It's getting a- approved where you do have carry out. Oh my God. So you can oh, be- Oh, it is? Drunk so you mean, you mean you can be like, as opposed to putting your a brown bag around the bottle you <laughs> and walking down the street like that? And drink your cocktail and walk down the street and you're fine now. You're not going to get a ticket. Yeah. We're not in like Cancun, Mexico, where you can just waddle down the street with your giant like- Oh, you have to glass. Yeah, now it sounds like. Wow. But the thing is like, nobody's saying to these people who are enjoying their drinks, you probably shouldn't drink this much or you probably shouldn't drink because this could lead to health problems down the line. Look, you know what that article is saying, by the way? That article keeps saying, it's mentioning, all right, so it's a carcinogen, alcohol is a carcinogen. And they talk about how it's like colorectal, esophageal, yes. liver, yes. stomach. or yes. So it's all like, except for the breast, it's like where the alcohol is directly exactly. being touching right. that tissue. Esophageal, that's your process. That's right. Your liver and your stomach, your mouth, oral cancers, colorectal, your butt. That's exactly right. Your entire, your entire digestive tract. Mm-hmm. that is what we're talking about here. So you're putting this poison into your body mm-hmm. and this you're, you're exposing your entire digestive tract to mm-hmm. a carcinogen. We're screwed. Wow. Yes. We're screwed. I remember what? years ago thinking in terms of like just trying to maintain my weight back when I was like, you know, before I ever had a weight issue. Mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, I don't want to drink my calories. I want to eat my calories because I would always pick like a, a piece of cake over like a oh. martini. Like that would have been like a no brainer for me. Like if I had to pick, uh-huh. I was always going to pick food. But some people really will pick alcohol. They would not pick like a piece of cake over. This is really a bad choice. I'm not really making a good point here. 
No, go ahead. I, I want to hear this. Would out. you have? Would you have? Like, if back in the day, if you were going to pick a treat, would you pick an alcoholic beverage or would you pick like a dessert? Like, I would always choose dessert. Like, so that wasn't a hard choice for me to not drink. Well, they're both equally addictive. So ah, that's true. You know, it's just one is kind of more socially accepted than the other. One's more glamorous. Yeah, and one doesn't have the. One doesn't have the, like, you don't see people falling down and acting from, from eating a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> eating a piece of cake where you see it doesn't impair your up. driving. Right. Exactly. It's just killing you slowly on the inside. Um, but it, it's not socially unacceptable to have uh, a dessert or a tart or a treat or ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's gonna cut you off if you have an entire cake. Like remember Chrissy from uh, <laughs> nobody's gonna cut you off at the bar and say, that's it, you've had too much. <laughs> that's enough dessert for you. Yeah, it's not gonna happen, but it's just- The baker that. isn't gonna say like, no, you have to step away. <laughs> yeah, this article is talking about labeling and, and that's all good and well, but at the end of the day, I think people need to be aware and like really see the effects of what's happening. And there's too much glorification about it. There's just too much glorification of alcohol. There is. Well, you know, you know it, it kind of gets ingrained into your culture early on. Yes. It, it did in a, while, a long time ago because, you know, I'm going back now to the 70s and, and 80s and dating myself here uh, in my career when I was very, very young starting out. Those were big drinking times, right? Oh. You dated yourself when you said 30 years ago you yeah. worked with It's <laughs> a turn of the century of the years. But anyway, um, you know, you would walk into an executive's office and the higher up you went, the bigger your bar was. I mean, wow. company, you had a full bar uh, in, in there. And the first thing they would do is when you were having a meeting, everybody get off for a drink. Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, when I uh, was going to uh, oh yes, Amsterdam, the liquid lunch. The liquid oh lunch. my god! In in Amsterdam, there was a tradition. Um, I think they called Geneva or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, that younger your neighbor, your neighbor. Yeah, that's the gin. Yeah, but what they would do is at three o'clock in a meeting, some dude would come in with a Heineken cart and gin and everything into the conference room. And everybody started drinking beers. Oh my gosh. That would be the end of the meeting. How did everyone function at the end of the day? They didn't. They didn't. The day's over. (laughs) The day is over. You know, you you know, here here we were. Um, you you know, these a lot of these were like top, top executives, CEOs and everything. Wow. It's a business meeting, and then all of a sudden you'd get a beer card brought in. Wow. and, And and you know, hey, look, you're you're a junior. You're a junior executive. You want to fit in. Oh, you're not going to say no. The, and, and I'm telling you, this night started out there. Then, then it went to a bar where everybody was comparing leather jackets. Um, <laughs> you know, zero business doing. And then some idiot saying that he could run across the street in a busy street and not get hit by a car. Oh, and, my And God. that's how drunk they were. And, Jeez, and, wow. And, but this was like. This is like how it happened. And the next day, it's like this never happened. 
Like you didn't speak of it or anything. You might <laughs> joke about it a little bit. Oh my gosh. I, like it didn't happen. And then some some new adventure. But well, let me a, ask you, Lou, yeah. do you do you drink alcohol? You know, I do, uh, but only occasions, very occasionally. So like a special occasion. Well, you know, a special occasion to me is, you know, sometimes there are certain functions, especially at dinner, not, not as much at lunch now, but mm -hmm. especially at dinner. You used to drink at lunch? Where, oh yeah. Well, you came from the three martini era. Wow. People were... And when you were invited to lunch and, and all of a sudden it was a, a very, and look, I couldn't afford these places, but all of a sudden you're invited to the 21 club, you know. Oh, you're wow. There the, it feels special. Yeah. CEO says, come on, guys, and let's go along. So you go there, and now you're part of the club. You know, put fault marks on it, the club. You know, the people that make decisions. And you're seen by your peers as you went out with the whatever. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it was the guys, because women were not even allowed into that club. Oh, okay. And, <laughs> look, I, I was the guy who carried the suitcases, all right, or the box. <laughs> I, I was nothing. I was barely admitted into the club. And, you know, you would go, you would have, you would start out with a drink. Uh, after you had the drink, you would then have a meal with a drink. And then after that, you would sit around and have drinks. And then <laughs> nobody would work. You know, everybody would go their own way. Holy um, cow. So that, that was at least three big drinks. That was at least three drinks. And this happened on an average of once a week. Not with me, wow. but, you know, but with the executives. And I was invited to these things maybe once a month. But it gave you an opportunity to express your views. It gave you an opportunity to discuss things in a, I'm not going to call it a round table because there was always a hierarchy. But the hierarchy and the lines of communications were a lot less. Uh, a little more fluid then. Yeah, a little more fluid. And, and you, gotta, you got, you know, if there was a big hierarchy, you kind of got, to the opportunity to cut across lines. That's interesting. Um, okay, that it is. Gave you corporate power because people would say, "Hey, this guy's going out with those guys, so let me let me not drive him crazy, or let me just do what he says because I don't want this guy uh, not on my side." You know, um, so so that happened. Um, then you know, then there's the evening uh, business drink, which many times could be with the total stranger. Because you can say these are business acquaintances. Uh -huh. These are people you see two, three times a year. You don't mm. really know. But you're here to do a big So you kind of have to socially drink at least. So, you know, but it, you know, you start doing it and it kind of does uninhibit you a little bit and it makes the presentation go easier. Okay. Or the conversation go easier or the night go easier. Now, what I will say is it then becomes a crutch. And oh, a slippery then, slope or right, a crutch? Well, it does become a crutch because then you say, well, if I'm going to have a, you know. I need to loosen up. You know, you, let's say you're in sales. The more times you take people. Gosh. Nervous, I've got to have a little something to take the you, edge off. You know, they, they teach you early. Face to face, you know, gives you the most, the most probability of sales. So you want to be face to face with your client. All right. This client's a, a stranger. What better way to get them to open up than to be in a position where you're both drinking? Mm. In addition to that, you know, you, you may not be so confident yourself. Your livelihood depends on it. So I'm, I'm nervous. I need a, a drink maybe to get me over the edge. I got to be friendly with this person who I don't even know. I got to get to know this person. I got to give them a concept. I got to close them on the concept to get them close to closing. Mm. 
-hmm. So the drinking helps. So all of a sudden it becomes a crutch and it's sort of like going to bat in baseball without your batting helmet. You may, you may feel a little naked. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you do. It's like going to a judo thing without your, your athletic cup if you're a man, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know it's a gross analogy, but, you know. It's no, it's not. You would be at a disadvantage if you didn't. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you feel like you are at a disadvantage, but, it, you know, it's a bigger mental disadvantage than anything else. And then yeah, it's I then at night, you know, everybody comes home and especially back in the day when you actually went to work, now you work from home. But you, you go, And people still drinking. You know, and the thing is, <laughs> you, you want to transition from, okay, I took the subway, I spent eight hours with people, now I took the subway again, or you, you drove the bus, or you drove home in traffic, or whatever. It's never a pleasant experience. You've had a, a harried day. You want to relax. You want to unwind. Some people may go on the exercise bike. Some people may, you know, do whatever. A lot of people like to just have a drink. So all of a sudden. Yeah, there's now, a lot of that. There's a lot of that evening nightcap or having yeah. a, 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 a glass of wine to wine yes. evening. These are just reasons why you get hooked on the stuff. Yeah, it's not the taste. It's not the you know. After a while, it's your body does crave it. There is an addiction factor to it if you if you do it. But it you, it becomes a psychological thing. Oh, I need a drink to unwind. Oh, I need a drink. You know. Also, it looks like the day is framed around it, like it's an essential like passage throughout the day of things right. you gotta. Yeah. Right. So then the endorphin re- looks at it as, okay, I need to relax. And what do I do to relax? Oh, I have. A and drink. alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. And it just, it, it's uh, not, that instance, it knocks you down. Yeah. That's what happened to Whitney Houston. She was taking, I forgot what drug she was taking. And then she had alcohol. She fell asleep in the bath. It wasn't the oh, man. Was and, falling asleep with these. And then she slid down. Okay. She slid down into the, the bath and that, and that's she drowned in her bath mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so it happens, and it, it, it's a it's a you don't realize it's happening, but by the time you look at it and you say to yourself, oh and how God. many drinks would you say that is over the course of a day? Let's say. If you do the business lunch, then you do a client, and then you have another pop to go to get home. That that's a lot. Well, but how I, many? I, I, I would that say, must be at least five, right? Yeah, I was going to say, sounds like five, five drinks a in the day. That's, <laughs> that's a that huge would be number. A, you usually don't do all three in the same day. But, but you know, it, it could be five in a day. But here's the gag, though. Men actually, um, and look, I don't want to hear any gaff from anybody trying to, you know, say I'm sexist or anything like that. The fact is, that men process alcohol differently than women. They do. They can take more. They can yes. process more. And women seem to be under this impression now that they can drink men under the table and they can drink just as much as men. No, you can't. You can't. It's not men blacking out at parties and, and getting assaulted. It's women. You know, it's men get, drinking and getting blotto and having poor judgment, but it's women passing out and not remembering what happened to them. I mean, they'd probably there's probably some roofies involved in that too. But my point is, I remember that happened to me and I only had two glasses of wine. I passed out. Wow. Thank, wow. Goodness, thank goodness I was with husband number one and he carried me home over his shoulder. But I 
blacked out after just two drinks. Wow. Drinks. And I'm not saying that it's okay for men to drink and women not to drink. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, think about in a business day where you have to drink five drinks just Mm -hmm. to make it through socially and the effect that is going to have on a woman at some point during the day. And there are women who develop, you know, tolerances and stuff like that, but it's just never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. At least with cigarettes, the government stepped in and was like, you know what? Your product is killing people. So we're going to limit your ability to reach so many people. Well, they took a different approach because with cigarettes, they were pretending that it wasn't bad for you. Whereas alcohol, they kind of like, well, it's not so good for you. Like they They kind of said that from the get go. They don't need to pretend anything because most people don't know. They see it all over the screen. And ah, it's amazing to me. So there's, they don't need to say anything. They just need to have their label, you know, on the show. Um, and that's it. That's it. The work is done for them. So between the ASCO um, not putting the message out effectively to people that alcohol is um, carcinogenic, and the land of TV and movies glorifying it everywhere. That's what it has come down to. Like entertainment now, you like you can't be entertained unless there's alcohol. I remember first the first college party I went to when I was um, in, in undergrad, and I went to the party. It was like at a bar, and everyone was standing around drinking, and I was like, "This is a party. This is fun." Like the goal was to like like they didn't, nobody knew how to make small talk. Everybody. <laughs> hardly any music no one's dancing it's just everyone kind of standing around and drinking and like laughing at jokes that aren't funny I was like I, I'm out of here this make any- <laughs> it makes no sense so I don't know I think we're we're in a no-win situation here I just think we're screwed <laughs> oh my gosh I don't know I I, I wouldn't go that bad but I think the pendulum's gonna swing I think back in a different direction people are not dying of alcohol the way there's a lot of studies all right let's not get crazy here because there's a lot of studies that say that one drink a day of red wine or moderate very moderate controlled drinking actually prolongs life naturally. Yes, yes, polyphenols, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, so there are those. But they're studies. also, but these are also. But you can take your polyphenols, people, you can take, you can but, take polyphenols without it being alcohol. Like that also, would be great. And yeah. also these are in cultures where the food is not, um, is not adulterated. Right. It's mostly Mediterranean. Yeah, that's true. Diet, you know, so of course, yes, it's going to add because it's not going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But in America, where mm. our food is like highly processed and highly addictive and highly chemical and highly adulterated to add alcohol to that, we're screwed. It's just the cherry on the cake. <laughs> it's just the cherry on the cake. And mm. with that, we're going to take another break and I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to get my life and we'll be back. (laughs) All right. depressing (laughs) alcohol story calorie restriction trial reveals gene that may prolong healthy life 
Laboratory studies of animals show that those fed a calorie restricted diet may live up to twice as long as those with an unrestricted diet. Now, a team led by researchers from Yale University has investigated the effects of calorie restriction in people. Their findings, which appear in science, may eventually lead to new ways to extend healthy life. In animal studies, calorie reductions of 40% are common. However, as the authors of the new study explained, this affects growth, reproduction, and immunity. In the human study, calories were reduced by only 14%. Unlike many weight loss diets, a calorie restricted diet involves small reductions of habitual calorie intake over a long period. People usually lose some weight, but this is not the main aim of calorie restriction. So let's look at how calorie restriction affects the body. The researchers looked at the effect of calorie restriction on the thymus gland, which is situated in the chest, just above the heart and is part of the immune system. The thymus produces T cells, white blood cells that are essential for fighting infection. Hormones released by the thymus inhibit the aging process. You hear that, people? Inhibit the aging process. That means you won't age as quickly. Who doesn't <laughs> want that? Exactly. That's why I bore repeating. As people age, their thymus becomes fatty and smaller, and it produces fewer T cells. Older people are more susceptible to infections because of this reduced immunity. The scientists performed MRI scans on the participants' thymus glands. They found that those with calorie-restricted diets had greater functional thymus volume than those with unchanged diets. The thymus glands of the restricted diet were also less fatty and produced more T cells than those of the restricted diet group. The researchers then looked at body fat or adipose tissue, which is key to the functioning of the immune system. Some immune cells in this tissue can cause inflammatory responses when wrongly activated. They found changes in gene expression of adipose tissue with some genes inhibited in those with restricted diets. The rest of the article gets more sciencey, so I'm gonna spare you that, but the link will be available on urbanhealthweekly.com so you can read through the entire article at your leisure. But the, the, the gene that they found is called the PLA-G. PLA-2G7. PLA-2G7, thank you. I mean, what do you guys think? You know how I feel about calorie restriction. So I'm not going to hog the floor here. Well, I'm a fan of calorie restriction and intermittent fasting. Uh, but, you know, I find like this study is really interesting because it says 14% reduction, which is really doable. We can all do 14%. That's not as much as you think. And also, I it's interesting they talked about the thymus gland. I mean, we don't really hear about the thymus gland that often. Are you guys, do you guys constantly read stuff about the thymus gland? I'm not reading a lot of stuff about the thymus gland. And well, this is just very exciting, this whole yeah, yeah. possibility. But what would 14% caloric restriction look like? So it's 2,100 calories per day. Yeah. And if you take 14% off of that, Mr. Mathman, tell me what that 14 is. 14%, so 10% would be 210. So 14% would be like 250 to 280. Okay, so about 300 calories. What would be the equivalent? So you don't have a- like, yogurts uh, for me. Um, you um, could have like three cookies out. So, <laughs> so basically like, you skip a snack. That's not you skip a snack. That's so doable. I, I feel like that's just not enough. 14%. No, but it's a start. I mean, like start. But here's the thing, right? Like calorie restriction gives the body a chance to heal. Like a lot of people don't realize that constantly eating is harmful to the body. Dr. Gundry talks about this all the time, how eating puts stress on the body and how having periods of fasting. You know, I'm getting into it now. I said I wasn't going to. Ah. <laughs> 
gives the body the opportunity to work, uh, to, to like the work of repairing other things since it's not busy all the time with processing food and digestion. So he says that at least a 12 hour daily fast would make a difference in your, your health over time. And one of the other important things that the article said is when utilizing calorie restriction, it's important to convey to participants that because they are consuming less, the food calories should be coming from nutrient dense sources. So in other words, let's not eat a piece of cake and call it a day and like, I'm restricting my calories. That's not right. We're talking about for the period that you are eating, eating nutritious food, eating salads, eating uh, fruits and vegetables, eating, you know, um, baked meat, not fried chicken and, and that kind of stuff. Like eating stuff as close to its natural state as possible. And yep. also eating a bigger variety of it. Try, try eating more vegetables of different kinds of vegetables. Christy Brinkley says she eats every, she, well, her diet is like the rainbow diet. Like she eats every color of the rainbow is what she does. Ooh, that's smart. And that's very, that's like easy to remember. And she, genetics aside, she looks damn good. What's she like? Yeah, her- she looks phenomenal. She looks yeah. amazing. I mean, not as amazing as Jennifer Lopez. She's like my idol, but... <laughs> <laughs> for, for somebody who was a supermodel she looks really really freaking good so take a yes. cue from these people that are that are eating the rainbow of fresh fruits and vegetables and follow their lead like if you want to look as good as them you want your hair to be shiny you don't want your your skin to be saggy and crepey you don't want to have to buy like the 150 dollar bottles of cream to try to repair your skin you want to do that stuff from the inside you don't want to take a bunch of supplements. You want to eat your food. You want to make sure you, everything is fresh and everything is wholesome as much as possible. Um, well, you know, think of it this way. I, I have a different maybe approach to it. But if you eat a hamburger every day. But it's going to catch not, up with you. It's going to catch up with you. But let's say there was nothing wrong with it. Let's say all you got to do is leave out the bun. And the bun is yes. calories. Or okay. if it's a cheeseburger, leave out the cheese. So make it a hamburger. How about leave out the cheese and the bun? Although well, uh, cheese can be good for you. You know, so, so that's the type of sacrifice. It doesn't have to be a big deal. If you if you haven't... Instead it, of putting it in a bun, how about putting it on a bed of lettuce? There you go. Oh, you yeah. They used to call that a California right. burger, right? You, you don't have to. Have they? I didn't know that. You don't have yeah. to make major sacrifices to your eating. You just have to say, okay, you, you know, and I'm just tricking the body here and I'm just saying, okay, baby steps for the people that really have a problem with dieting. Okay, so if I have Chinese food once a week, leave out the rice, just eat the food. Yeah, that's what I do because that rice is really trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's very doable, by the way. A little tiny tweak here and there and, and exactly. it's incremental. You, you, you're looking at, because all you have to do is think of it this way. If you leave out the bun and you leave out the rice and you do that, you've now left out on the table maybe a thousand calories. That thousand calories is what we're talking about a week. You know, it doesn't have to be 110 a day. We're talking about uh, a thousand calories a week. We're talking about 4,000 calories a month. That is two pounds of fat that your body has to go. Wow. And you're not going to feel like you miss that if you didn't have a bun one day. You leave the ketchup off, which is additional sugar. Like a tablespoon of ketchup is like 
it's two teaspoons of sugar. Mm -hmm. So if you're leaving that off, I'm not sure how many calories that is. What is that like? 80 calories, mm -hmm. 100 calories, something like that. Also change up your ketchup. You know, you could do that kind so of thing. Because some have high fructose corn syrup. Yeah, exactly. But in general, ketchup does have sugar. So I'm saying right. leave right. off the ketchup and have a honey mustard instead. And you're going to do better in terms of your sugar mm -hmm. intake, which is going to reduce the, the caloric load. Yeah. Um, because you're going to be doing like a dressing yeah. instead of the ketchup because ketchup and bun goes together. Yeah. You don't put ketchup on a salad. Right? Well, well, <laughs> lose 40 pounds for the year. But for the year is goes with the 40 pounds. I intend to do it over the course of a year. I've already done in the first two months, 12 of them. But That's I, awesome. Well, thank you. Congratulations. So applaud. But, but uh, really the, one of the few changes I made is in the mornings I used to have either a bagel or a, a a, a muffin or something like that. I no longer do that. That's great. You know, and it's, so are you delaying your eating? No, I just don't do it. I just, it's like one less thing I eat. That's I, great. That's very doable. So I used to have my coffee, it used to have my coffee with a, with a muffin, sometimes with a bagel. Now I still go out to breakfast and when I go out to breakfast, all bets are off what, maybe once a week. But, but it's just once a week, so know, that's not terrible. The, it's once a week versus seven days. That's right. awesome. Five or six days in a week when I do sit down for a breakfast to get my day started and all of that, where I used to have a cup of coffee with a muffin or a cup of coffee with a bagel, that's that. That's all. There's Did, a, there's a bakery bagels? somewhere crying their eyes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't been there to okay. buy their bagels? So, so look at this thought exercise. Go to the bakery and look at 60 bagels and say to yourself, <laughs> okay, what would happen to me if I ate all of this? How much weight would I lose? <laughs> and then if you do the reverse of it, how much weight would you lose if those 60 bagels never entered your body? So you're not making a big sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Now I've changed a couple of other things and that's led to the 12 pounds of 60 bagels and I can only eat the 12 pounds. But that's the type of change that, that I've made. I used yeah. to have... At just night, small I, incremental yeah. stuff. At yeah. night, I would have a big meal, but I would have two yogurts. I haven't cut out the yogurt entirely, but now I just have one yogurt. Over the course of two months, put 60 yogurts in your refrigerator. Look at that. Over the course of the year, that's 360 yogurts. And really, the yeah. point I'm trying to make here is uh, we, we have to make these small adjustments. That's right. And the small adjustments over the course of a year are going to add up. Lou, don't be stealing my line, okay? <laughs> and remember you only have one life and one body so do your best to, to make it count so your years are full of life and full of health small steps each day and you'll see a difference like Louis trying to steal my line i'm sure of <laughs> yes i read the notes <laughs> that's all the time we have today you guys you guys are amazing as always <laughs> can't wait to talk to you again next week all right Okay, bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.
the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 